Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Joining me today is Jeff Shoup. Jeff is a returning guest to Live on Purpose Radio, which is a unique distinction. I feel pretty distinct, definitely. Thank you. You you are distinct, (laughs) which is better than being stinky, but that sometimes happens too, maybe. Yeah, I lift weights a lot. It happens, yes. (laughs) Jeff, I'm glad that you're back. Uh, For those of you who are listening... Jeff comes from a background in sales. Sometimes that word frightens people. Um, When we talked before, Jeff, you shared some of your story about how you got to this place. People don't just magically appear at the place where you are. You get asked to do trainings and speeches you, you do coaching around sales topics. You've got a wealth of experience. You haven't always been here. So there's been some kind of a journey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Will you share with us at least the brief version of what that journey has been for you? You bet. I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, first, it's understand the backstory of the fact that uh, when I was a little kid, I was very introverted. My father, on the other hand, was very extroverted. If he'd have guests over to watch a football game, he'd be the loud one in the room, commenting on the play, commenting Uh on the coach. And of course, there was Howard Cosell in those days, and he couldn't stop commenting about Howard. But I was the little kid over there sitting on the couch, you know, just eating potato chips and dip and taking it all in. Uh Uh, One day he said to me, Jeff, Jeffrey, you're an introvert. I didn't know how to take that. It almost sounded a little bit insulting. Probably didn't even know what that was. But now that I'm an adult, I understand being an introvert is just great. It's fine. It's a good personality choice. However, from when I was a little kid until I was in high school, I made some wrong choices in my thought. And then I think this plays into your positivity. Mm. My choices were that I looked upon myself critically, that personality. People would ask, Jeff, how come you're so quiet? And I would take that the wrong way. I would stand in groups of people where there would be a guy out there telling jokes, and I would be wondering, why can't I say anything? So I became very shy, which has an element of fear to it. That's the negativity yeah. part. Self-critical and you know, very self-conscious. So much so that when I was a senior in high school, through my high school years and even college, they called me stone-faced. Can you imagine that? Really? Yes. Well, first of all, I have to back up just a little bit because you... you Describe this introvert. I mean, that word, as a, as a young child, you probably didn't even know what that meant. No, that's why I say it, it just didn't sound, it didn't feel good when it, he said that. It, it feels a bit like there's something wrong with you. Yeah. It's right? important that I tell everybody out there in, in Facebook land that I love my father. It's just, as a kid, I didn't know how to take it. He didn't explain it to me. And I wrapped it up in packages of negativity in the coming years, I think. How we interpret these labels that sometimes we didn't ask for, they just kind of showed up or somebody said something, how we interpret it determines how we show up. Yep. 
in that context. So the word introvert, uh, I, I think at a very basic level, it simply means that you do most of your processing inside of your mind rather than blurting it out there like an extrovert might. Yes. More internal, less external. Yes. And that's a little surprising for a guy who's made a, a, a career out of sales. Yeah. The transformation started come when I was 17. I took my first sales job. And I did that because my father was a good salesperson. I like the idea of commission, making more money. You kind of define your income. Yeah. I made that choice consciously despite his concerns, my friend's concerns. Jeff, you're stone-faced. You're going to go sell? You're going to do telephone sales? I walked into a really a boiler room, a trailer, if you will, hmm. and the gentleman was selling HBO and Showtime subscriptions cable. This was 1976, long time ago. Yeah. And he threw down a white page, just thunk, there's your prospecting list, kid. Go for it. The phone book. Yeah. Pick a page and go for it. Which, by the way, for those of you who are joining us now in this millennial era, a phone book was actually a printed document that had people's telephone numbers. And when you called them, they actually had to pick up a device that was tethered to their house. Yes. That's, <laughs> us old guys know all that. Yeah. But this is, back, this is before the internet. Yep. Right? <laughs> well, I'd, dial, I'd start dialing those numbers. And the first dial I made, I, I, I almost can't forget it. It was like somebody picked up a baseball bat and thunk right in the gut, the baseball bat of rejection. Uh, I had never felt anything so bad in my life up till then. Mm. Because not everybody wants what you're selling. And you can't even know that until you ask them. But the ones who don't want it are going to tell you very enthusiastically. Yes, certainly. And rejection came, you know, one call, two calls, three calls. I didn't last long in that job. I had no training. It, it was just, here's the order pad. Just write it up, make it, say whatever you want, kid. Go for it. Mm. I didn't last long in that job. But the good news is yeah. I stepped into other sales jobs that were different, easier. For example, retail sales of jewelry. But I grabbed a book, mm. and this is where the transformation really started. The book was How to Master the Art of Selling by Tom Hopkins, who was a great salesperson and trainer. Oh, yeah. And he still is, but back in the day, that's when he first published that book. And that's when I realized that selling is a skill. You don't have to be born yes. to do it. You could learn it. Oh, this is good news. Yes. And communication, public speaking, things like that, they're skills. They can be learned. Mm -hmm. That's where the transformation started with a guy like Tom Hopkins who wrote a great book. And that turned something on in your mind. Yeah. Now, you already gave us the context that there was a little bit of chatter going on in your own mind about mm -hmm. who you were, who, what you're capable of, the label that uh, was sort of installed early on. Yeah. How did, how did you overcome that? What, what was the <sighs> that's a, process? That's a great of... question, but I'm going to tell you it was no easy feat. Quite frankly, yeah. I was locked with that challenge uh, to a a very significant degree for probably close to 15 years. Mm. Okay. 
What I did, though, was I kept reading other books. I would take seminars. I would take sales jobs. And thank goodness I had some good mentors that helped me learn how to sell. Then I started having some success. But those conversations would still come back from time to time. I could have a success and my mind would say, well, you got lucky there, didn't you? Oh, like that's not like you to be successful. Right. Things like Mm -hmm. that would happen. So I would go through spurts of success. I would have some failures. I would have to experiment with different sales jobs so that I could find where I fit. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I would try to imitate somebody else, you know, the, the super sharp salesperson who could talk really fast and oh, was yeah. a hard closer. One thing I learned was to be myself. Eventually, I came out of it because I learned to be myself, which was the introvert. Ask good questions. Understand a person's problem. Mm-hmm. Solve it. Then you close the sale. That's when I started to get really good at it. And it got to the point where I was managing sales relationships for companies from Switzerland to China with boots on the ground in China just two years ago. Wow. I've trained salespeople. But it was a transformation that took time. And I I credit the books. I credit the seminars. I credit people like you that write a book, Mm -hmm. books like you've written and I've read Mm -hmm. that help correct my thinking. So the number one thing that got in the way of my life was how I thought. It wasn't anybody else. It was just what was going on right here. And that runs the whole show. Yeah, it does. That thought process that's going on. And it's interesting, Jeff. I've found this. Probably you can relate. We, we believe that what we think is true. Mm-hmm. Did you track that? Yes. <laughs> It doesn't mean that we're right, even though we know we are. Yeah. We believe that what we think is true. I talk to my clients all the time about a a level called metacognition, which is a higher level than thinking. It's thinking about your thinking. Mm -hmm. When you stop to think about your thinking and you realize, wait a minute, what I'm thinking may or may not be true... But it is driving my behavior. Yes. Quite frankly, through those years and and even more so as time went on, I learned to do that. I learned to look at my thinking because the results that I was getting. For for example, the toughest thing that any salesperson has to do is pick up the phone and prospect. Okay? This goes for salespeople. This goes for network marketing people. This goes for people recruiting for clubs and cities and that sort of a thing. Yes. It's that mental construct of past experiences of rejection. And we, 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 with our mentality and it's, if it's wrong, Mm. we, we make it even worse by thinking about it and why it's wrong. And those things become feelings and salespeople. And I felt this before too. I mean, okay, I have to prospect right now. And those images of negativity and failure I started focusing on, they would come back. In fact, it would become physical. Yes. It was a feeling of almost dread. Of course, you might say, oh, gosh, you should have quit sales. No, I didn't want to Hmm. because I wanted to master it. You brought up this word prospecting. Yeah. Which is part of the title for this episode of our podcast. Prospecting brings to my mind... The old miner. Mm-hmm. If you think of, you know, the wild, wild west, and they're going out to prospect for gold. 
right? Yep. A, a prospector is looking for gold, but to get to the gold, they have to go through all the dirt. Right. Now, I know that when we talked about talk about sales prospecting, we might have lost just half your listeners right there. Oh, when we jumped into about, prospecting. It's about communicating and influencing people. And, you know, everybody to some degree has some kind of its sales talent. The more I talk to people, the more I realize that when they hear the word sales, they turn off. But when I talk mm-hmm. to them further, I, I assure them, look, you know, in your job, you're influencing people where you work. You're influencing customers sometimes. You're influencing yes. the boss. They hired you because you sold them. Right. But they don't like that word selling. So let's just talk about it about mm-hmm. maybe use the word influencing, Okay. What I learned to do, Paul, and this is along the lines of everything you talk about, that mental construct, that negativity of how I was Mm -hmm. looking at prospecting, and this is what I teach other people today. Let's start evaluating that thinking. Let's start looking at prospecting like it is for the gold because salespeople step into sales to sell and make money. This is the thing that stands in the way of them doing that. Yes. Look for the positive aspects of selling. Reconstruct the thinking. Reframe it. And if we can get to the point where, imagine, we're experts at prospecting. It doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah, it's never going to be like the first time we went through the, It's a Small World in Disneyland. It's not going to feel that way. <laughs> but we can get to the point where we're prospecting and calling people and achieving our goals by influencing other people and picking up the phone without any trepidation, if you will. Mm-hmm. How powerful would you feel? How would your bank account change? I think making that shift changes the whole game when it comes to sales forget sales influence Mm -hmm. and we can get to the very specific steps that we can take as we come back from this break let's dig into some of the practical applications of that philosophy you down for that i'm down for that there wasn't much humor in this first half we need to kind of pick it up a bit we gotta lighten it up (laughs) this is jeff shoop at live on purpose radio and we'll be right back Hey, Live On Purpose family. I know you're a fan of personal development, and that's why you're here on the podcast. Something else that I think you would really like is Live On Purpose TV. Come on over to youtube.com forward slash Live On Purpose TV, where you will find daily episodes that are all geared toward powering up your personal development program. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And we're back with Jeff Shoup today at Live On Purpose Radio. Jeff, we're, we're talking about sales, right? Which feels like, oh, I got to go to a training or do something uncomfortable. Or if you're on the other end of that, you want to avoid being sold on something. There's some negative connotations. But when you said the word prospecting, and I had that image of, you know, the miner that's going out mm-hmm. there to look for the gold. There's always more dirt than there is gold. And I Ew. was... <laughs> well, it's true. Mud. Right? Dirt. Mud, dirt, sludge, whatever you got to go through <laughs> to get to the gold. And I was, I was actually sitting in a presentation with Tom Hopkins. You mentioned that book that mm-hmm. had been so influential with you. And I remember him saying, no means next. Right. And I pictured myself picking up a lump of something and having to look at it and say, is this gold? No. 
So what do I do? Oh, this isn't it. (laughs) No, I'm not going to spend any more time with that. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to go to the next one. Is this one gold? Because the fastest way to get to the gold is to sort through all of the other stuff that's not gold as fast as you can. Right. And look at the thinking that he's teaching. Next. Next. Don't dwell on that. Don't dwell on that lump of mud or rock or whatever you found. Right. I'm going through some sales coaching right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my coach is trying to help me see that no means next. And she hasn't stated it that way. But if you knew for sure that whatever it is you have to offer, so folks, think about your business, think about your offering, think about whatever it is that you are bringing to the table that will influence and upgrade people's lives. And if you knew that you had to talk to 10 people who are going to say no before the first one says yes, how soon do you want to get to those 10? Right? Zoom. Get through it quickly. Just dash through it. Get to those no's as fast as you can. Anyway, that's what came to mind when you were... Yeah, very good. When you gave us this prospecting idea is uh, a pretty good analogy. Yeah. I think that's why we call it that. Jeff, you have coached people around sales. You're introducing to us today that mindset is probably the most important thing that you can start with. And to be aware of whatever stories you're bringing to the table. Right. From way back, as the case may be. Yeah. Or just things that you've practiced telling yourself. What, what practical assistance can you give us? If we're feeling stuck or like it, it, it's just too terrifying for me to reach out, what, what do you suggest? If it's that severe that it's too terrifying, and I I felt that when I was young. After that, especially after that first sales job and getting thunked in the stomach with a baseball bat of rejection, I had to go a undergo a transformation of thinking, and sometimes I would have to re undergo it many a time. Mm -hmm. But there's several things one can do. First is what you've suggested. And that is to look at your thinking. You mentioned that sometimes we don't even know that our thinking needs to be fixed. Right. Because we believe that what we think is true. Right. So how do we get ourselves in the position where we're open to looking at ourselves under that microscope or magnifying glass? When you said that, Jeff, I had a a flashback. That's a psychological term, right? Okay. I had a flashback to a point in my life. You can read about this in my book. Chapter one is lightning strikes. Yes. And this is a point in my life where some things had come crashing down all around me. And I was at, economically, I was at the lowest point that I had ever been. My thinking was in a rut, but I didn't even know that it was. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was still in a position where I was trying to say, oh, it's because of the economy or it's because of that person who right. owes me money or it's because of this investment that went south or whatever. And it was really a victim mentality where I was blaming circumstances or people outside of me. And there was a point when the lights went on. I think you triggered this by saying, how do you know that you need to change your thinking? And unfortunately, sometimes it's because lightning strikes you. It's because, boom, something hits you. 
so hard that you realize, you know what? I'm clueless. I have no idea what I'm doing. Which is terrifying, but it opens up the door. It, it opens up the mind, really, right, uh, to new possibilities. Sometimes, in my opinion, that light is the results that you're not getting. That right, you know, you think about it, you want it. Whether you're in sales or you're in network marketing, and you you can't recruit people, you can't even get customers. It's not happening for you, and mm-hmm. you're frustrated. Right, that's the lightning sometimes. Okay. Yes. So we get ourselves in that frame of mind where we're open to outside influence. Hey, give me the lightning. Now that could start with books. I mean, those books, uh, Think and Grow Rich, and mm. all from you know Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill. All those books. Zig Ziglar's. I mean, Tony Robbins today. Mel Robbins today. All those wonderful influences that American self-help has put together over the last hundred years or whatever it is, that influenced me. I'd keep ingesting that and that would help me correct my thinking because I could take a thought, excuse me, I could take a thought um, from Norman Vincent Peale, mm-hmm. you know, what a man can, can, can believe and can conceive, he can achieve. Okay, mm. think about the depth of that. Now, there are people that will write that off. Jeff, it sounds like trite, fluffy, just think positive stuff. Right. I think what I'm getting from this conversation today is that if you really believe it, something's going to change. What if you really could succeed in your business? Yes. Now, what has to happen, and this is part of what I think is the the aura of the fluffy stuff is, is the perspective of the people that have that thought. Of course, what has to, has to happen next are logical steps to making something happen. I mean, we have a human brain, right? It wouldn't yeah. It wouldn't be any other kind. Well, hopefully, right? yeah. So. <laughs> Some people you wonder. But we have the capability to reason through our challenges and problems. If our thinking is off, we can correct it by reframing the thought from negative to positive. Mm -hmm. Okay? Start with that. Learn from these books that have principles that work. Then go back to the principles of, well, how do you talk to people? How do you prospect? What do you say? What do you not say? And a lot of times, it's companies have, you know, dialogue that you can use. They have trainings and so on. But none of the training will work. I mean, you could be the best closer. You could do great presentations with PowerPoint. You could present your product and this and that. But if you can't get on the phone and get appointments to go see people and present those, where are you going to get to? Mm-hmm. Nowhere. But I'm not suggesting that all this is fluff. It is, we have the power of rational thinking. Think it through. Use your brain. Here's, here's a piece of that that we sometimes miss. Either... The principles are true, which means that they apply generally across yeah. the board, which means that they apply to you too. Yeah. Or you're a special case. Ooh. <laughs> You've yeah, actually you think- used this on me before. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you're not a special case either, Jeff. But we believe we are sometimes. I did. Yeah. I felt like... I felt like somehow I needed to figure out 
what was wrong with me or what I was doing wrong. And, and it's the wrong kind of thinking to go there. I say the wrong kind of thinking because it's not productive. It doesn't lead to anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Listen to the question. That's not useful. How can I do this? That's more useful. Indeed, yes. And people have already tried and tested it. And either those principles are true or you're a special case. So when I realized that, Jeff, I, it, it was like I'd been kicked or hit in the gut with a baseball bat like you were just just describing it if this is true for me then the only thing that's separating me from that is my own fear and my own belief yeah it comes right back to what you started with sometimes we have to make the hard choice and look at ourselves and study and figure out where do we stand you know is mm-hmm. my thinking correct i'm not getting the results i want so something's up so we have to take an honest look and maybe it's not you. Maybe you're not a special case. Maybe it's not that there's something yeah. wrong with you. Maybe what's needed is an adjustment of your behavior based on the principles that have been shown to work. Yeah. That's, that's kind of crazy thinking, Jeff. You latched onto that, and you've turned it into a very successful career. Yes, when I was young and I was, I was reading those books and I was going to seminars and mentors and, and everything, mm-hmm. um, I would see people like Zig Ziglar mm. and other public speakers on the stage, motivational speakers, if you will. And I was still mastering selling, but down inside I thought, ooh, wouldn't it be cool to do that? To be one of those. But how scary a thought to be standing up in front of 500 or 1,000 people I had to grow into that, too, over the years. Like I said, it took me 15 mm-hmm. years to really get good at sales and then to jump into management and manage relationships in several different continents. But then I had to conquer the public speaking thing, which is like the number one or two fear next to death. Oh, it's number one okay. on most lists. I think Jerry Seinfeld said that, you know, in a funeral, most people would rather be the guy in the casket than the guy than giving, giving the eulogy. eulogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that was the next thing that I started to conquer. And some five years ago, I mean, I was doing trainings within companies and that sort of thing under those umbrellas, Mm -hmm. and I was doing fine. I would speak to groups up to 300 people, but then I I thought, okay, I want to get on the stage. I want to share these things with people. That's when I joined Toastmasters, Mm -hmm. you know, a very simple organization where everybody's just there to practice. It's a safe place to crash, mess mess up a speech, and I've messed up many. But that's when I started to practice to get where I am today. That was five years ago. And now I'm speaking. I spoke to a college nearby. I remember you gave a commencement address at a, yeah, a local Yeah, can you college. believe it? They gave me a Master's of Business Administration honorary for that. I don't know what to do with it. My wife doesn't think I'm any smarter. <laughs> I'd like to think I am. But anyway, that was a, a good break. And I've worked yeah. with financial planning firms and other financial firms and whatnot. And Help them work through some of some of this prospecting issue, especially the mental yeah. part. Jeff, you're offering um, support, training, uh, coaching around yeah. these issues. How can people best connect with you? Best connection is jeffshoop.com. That's where everything uh, is. That's right easy. Now. Yeah. Jeff Shoop spelled S H O O P dot com. 
Thank you. And that's where they can connect to you if they want you to come and speak or provide a training for their company or organization. Keynotes, trainings, boot camps, lunch and learns, whatever is needed. I like to do a discovery session to understand what the problem is first. Jeff, I can tell you've even learned some things since our last talk. I read your books. It was three years ago. Yes. And here we are having the same conversation with a little more depth and experience to it than either of us had before. That's My pleasure. Cool. Thank you so much for having me on. Folks, you've heard it from Jeff. Hopefully that's triggered some thoughts for you. And now it's time to go live on purpose. Mm-hmm.